save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fourth Down Focus, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University, a company focused on the training and development of coaches, kickers, punters, and snappers. Today's show is brought to you by Bets Online. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, television shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your phone to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Episode 26 of the podcast welcomes Pat Kern. Curran was a defensive back at Bowling Green University. He later received his master's degree at Ashland University, where he served as a DB coach for two seasons. Today, Curran is based in Los Angeles, where he co-founded Curran Media Co., a marketing, management, and brand development company that specializes in athletes and coaches. I'm excited to have you on the show, Pat. How are you doing today? I am well. How are you, sir? I appreciate you having me. Man, I, I just met you, and we'll talk about that at length, but you're, you're an exciting guy. Uh, you're, you're from my generation. Uh, we played together, just didn't play against each other at the same time. So mm-hmm. I'm excited, excited to talk to you about some exciting things um, on the forefront, especially in uh, the NCAA. And yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll dig into some, some things that you I, I find that you have become an expert in. So we met uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, through mutual friends, you know, football is a small world, especially in the sure. coaching community. Yeah, co- coaching community, I've noticed is you're about one degree from everybody. You almost should mm-hmm. know everyone. Uh, I, I was able to contribute on one of your platforms in the special teams aspect. And, you know, I am, I am grateful for that opportunity. It's brought, you know, even more of a network. You know, I've, I've, I've gained some friends in the coaching community and it was because of you. So I do want to start and express my gratitude and thank you for that opportunity. Well, that was great. I mean, you were the, the reason we're continuing to talk and why we're doing this right now is because I thought you were so great and wanted to talk a little bit further about doing some more stuff with you. And that's, you know, the, we'll get in, we'll get in all that stuff and what we're doing with that. But but that's the, the basis of it. So we appreciate you coming on with us. Thank you so much. And of course. I think the, pr- the purpose of this show for me today is I honestly don't know a lot about current media company. And I'd like for you to explain to our audience uh, why you founded Current Media Company and why you felt there was a need in the market for your services. Yeah, so Current Media Co. started, we started about five years ago and it was my brother and I, both named Curran, Pat and Tim Curran. And we were both college athletes. I coached at a couple of different schools. I coached at Ashland University, Oberlin College, 
And then where I transitioned, what we were doing about five years ago. So my brother and I started our first company 11 years ago, and we really shifted and, and started doing marketing and media with these or marketing and branding with these big media companies. And this was about five years ago, again, when we started current media. Co. So we're working with like USA Today, CBS Sports, the UFC. And in doing so, we always were mostly, most of the time we worked with athletes, but we were never the ones that brought the athletes in. We didn't have a direct relationship with them. We weren't managing marketing. And we just saw so many missed opportunities from athletes, whether it be on that specific campaign that we were helping with the, the company with, or just their social media in general. It was just like, you, there's so many opportunities that you could be capitalizing off of right now. And you don't have any idea. You're focused on football or MMA or basketball, whatever your sport was. And then we'd see them at the end of their careers and then they're scrambling to figure something out. Or so many times we've seen athletes, they're, they're done and they don't know what the hell to do. And some of them have made enough money where it doesn't matter. They're just unhappy, but they don't need to feed their family. Or some of them, we see them where they're unhappy and can't even feed the family. And, and there are people you've known on TV from the 90s or the early 2000s. So we really shifted a couple of years ago to work with athletes specifically on just that marketing and branding. And helping them through social brand deals, launch YouTube channels, merchandise, and all this off of the field, outside of the sport type stuff. It's fascinating. You know, I, I think that it's so important. And I, I now realize more and more why people have agents, why people have someone that works on the other things. Uh, because we, we do only have so much time in a day, mm -hmm. right? So it's just like anything else. You have to surround yourself with a network of people that are like-minded, that know your end in mind and I, I and and you have to be able to focus on what's of the utmost importance and that is whatever it is you are good at whether it's a you're a fighter or you're a basketball player or you're a kicker um your your focus should should be there for the most part and outside of that it should be with family and things that are probably even more important right but no doubt there, yeah. there has to be some support or a support system in place I think this day and age to, to make sure that the personal brand is, is, is where it should be, because if it's not your peers who are equal in ability that have a better platform or have, have more ways to get in connection or people can watch their vlog per se, I think those people are the ones that, that are successful. So it leads into my, my first real question for you um, is social media. Let's just start there. Cause we had talked the other night about the importance of it. Social media is arguably the most important component in establishing and maintaining a brand, right? Can, can you explain the significance of social media and why it, it is essential in building a personal brand? I mean, to me, it's almost everything for, for most of us. Most of us are not in the NBA, the NFL, even in the NFL or the NBA. We're not, we're not the ones getting all the interviews. We're not the one on TV every day. We're not LeBron James. We're not Pat Mahomes. We are athletes. I was an athlete. Weren't, you and I are not athletes anymore. But, but even, even those people, the importance of social media can, can, can really help you create long-term business opportunities, whether that is directly from making money on social or creating opportunities. Like for your, yourself, for instance, you coach kickers and punters, right? If, yes. if you just worked with the people that you met only in person, you'd probably have a couple. Sure. Right. Maybe there'd be some word of mouth and there'd be some different things. I, I don't want to put your biz out there, but I know you had somebody in town now that flew in from out of state to work with you specifically. Hmm. Now that's because of social media. I assume something that's absolutely right. Some connection there absolutely. for us. When we talk to athletes and coaches, it, it can be, everyone has a different end goal. 
whether that may be, so let's say you're a coach, it could be, you want to get a better job. You want to make more money. You want to create long-term connections. You want, you're a high school coach. You want a college coach to recruit your school that they don't typically come to. So it's about finding what that end goal is and then working towards that. If you're an athlete, same concept, you want an end goal. You want to make more money or I want to, I want to give back to, I'm from the city of Baltimore and I want to create something to give back to people in Baltimore specifically. So how can you create opportunities through social to get to that? Is it by talking about hosting a camper clinic? Is it about creating a nonprofit and then promoting it through your social? Everything you're going to do is going to come back to social. If you're doing a brand partnership, there's we're in the middle of March Madness and what's going on. People are spending billions of dollars. Brands are spending billions of dollars on people. Is Everything they're going to want you to do is going to tie back into your social media. So, I mean, if you're not creating consistently on social, you're missing opportunities daily. I love it. And I want to expound on that by, by asking you. So it sounds like, yes, there, this is a powerful tool and it's almost, almost essential. Now it's almost like a requirement to be a part of this uh, or these platforms, I should say, Mm because there's Instagram, there's Facebook, there's LinkedIn, which we're friends on all of these things. And and rightfully so, because I think that each has its own place and I know it's different, but I'll explain my situation. For example, is I am active on Facebook because the parents are there. Mm -hmm. The grandparents are there. I'm active on Instagram because it's more visual. I can show off some really neat pictures. And I know the kids are super active on there. My presence on Twitter is strictly, in all honesty, I hate to say this, but for my listeners, my focus on Twitter is to meet people like you, to meet people like Urban Meyer, to meet people that are the coaching coaching side of things, mm-hmm. because that's where that's where they are. That's because they have they have undivided attention on the players they recruit, and there's there's a lot less restrictions as far as communication. Yep. Uh, fi- finally, I'm on LinkedIn because it's a professional platform. That's where I'll find a brand or a podcast to work with, or you know. So I think each serves a purpose for me in particular. But I think my question for you is this: with that, all that being said, I I have the ability now to reach all these different types of people for different purposes. But at the same time, if my my activity isn't efficient or effective it really is all for naught. So mm-hmm. I guess my question to, to you is this, what are some common mistakes that you're seeing on people's social media accounts or what are some quick fixes, if you will? Yeah, so let's let's break it off into two, two perspectives here, coach and then athlete. From a coach perspective, it's, and, and again, there's different end goals and all this stuff, but from a coach perspective, to me, there's very few that do a great job. It's a lot of like retweeting, a lot of BS, a lot of typical recruiting stuff from a college standpoint, from a high school standpoint, same-ish type stuff, but they're working to, to help their athletes get recruited. Whereas to me, it's, it's let's look at that end goal and then create the networking opportunities from that. That's, what, that's why you said you're on there. I'm on there for the same reasons. I want to work with athletes and professionals. So I'm working both sides of the, of the deal here, athletes and coaches and then professionals. I'm not talking to 23-year-old football players or a 30-year-old MMA athlete on Twitter. I'm just not. I'm reaching them on Instagram and TikTok. So what, what I'm seeing from a lot of coaches is just not taking advantage of the opportunity. Comment, showcase how smart you are, showcase opportunity. So I, this is a so we'll get to our coaching network and what we're doing here in a second here. But just as a, as a brief example, mm-hmm. we, we had a coach come on and do a clinic, a coach who's a grad assistant coach. We clip it, put a minute 40 second clip of a drill he's coaching on Twitter. 
An FBS head coach sees that, calls him about a position opening. And, and from that minute and 40 second, he goes, this dude can coach his ass off. He knows that he can coach ball from a minute and 40 second clip that, that he would have never, never done on him, never put out on, on his own, never would have thought, let me go through drill work, do a voiceover and put it out there. But gets a call from an FBS head coach. Because of that, now he's he's a full-time coach in his first Division One. Uh, job. I won't get into specifics and names. I'm trying to avoid that stuff. But, but so like taking advantage of that opportunity to showcase your knowledge and be able to put it out there on social. Very, very few coaches do that stuff. And that that's, uh, and he could, it doesn't have to be, he did a 30 minute clinic talk, but I've talked to other coaches where, Hey, just comment on why Pat Mahomes wasn't able to make this play or why he was able to make this play from a, from a coaching standpoint, you can do that stuff very simply from an athlete perspective, you've got to build a community. And so many are posting the same things. It's all about a gamer picture, a video of you in a game, picture, a video of you practice, picture, a video of you looking in whatever you think you look good in. And it's all about just being cool or trying to uh, you know, attract girls or guys or whatever you're into. It's not thinking of it as the business tool that it is and building a community. I had an athlete reach out to me from last chance you, and he, you know, he goes from like not known guy two weeks ago to hundred thousand followers on Instagram in a day. And it's like, you've got this, this, I mean, obviously that doesn't happen often, but you've got this opportunity to build and ride this momentum into, into long-term businesses. And I don't know if dude can play professionally. Maybe he can, maybe he can't, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's about creating now a community. So don't just be a dude who just throws up some BS on social. Why should people care about you more than all these other athletes, all these other people that are playing basketball or football players or MMA. It's, it's building this long-term community and connection with the people on social. I think that's such good advice. And if I could sum it up, I, what I'm hearing is be unique because unique stay unique stands out. Um, If, if you're a spy, if you're, if you're referencing everyone else's activity and then mimicking it, if you will, you're just among everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to sift through the masses. I mean, because we're all a part of it now. So you're, you're looking at, I would say there's a couple hundred million people on Twitter alone domestically. Easy. And that's a lot of people, you know? So if, if you're not standing out and you're not finding your way or presenting why you're different, which is what you're essentially what current media co seems to be doing mm-hmm. is we, we're going to find your niche. We're going to find a way to, do it for you if you can't like well, give us what you're doing and we're going to show you how to how to stand out mm-hmm. you know how to from the rest yep. so i i love i love that advice and i really sincerely hope especially the athletes listening which we have a large percentage of the show is high school aspiring to be college athletes um if they're doing the same exact kicking film or punting or snapping film as the others probably isn't as effective as finding a way to show off how you prepare differently uh so yeah. Thank you for that. Of course. I'm going to, I'm going to shift the focus a little bit, but it really relates. It actually complements the last question is um, there is a little acronym floating around called the N I L and that stands for name image likeness. Um, in the coming months, I think most people listening to the show will be well aware of what this is. I'd like for you to talk about um, what the NIL is, what its purpose is, and how this is drastically going to change the definition of what a collegiate athlete is. Yeah, well, about damn time, one. Two, so what it, what it is, is basically an athlete can get paid off their name, image, and likeness. So they can't get paid to play a sport. They can't get paid based off performance. But all this 
social marketing, branding, all this stuff is the stuff they can capitalize on. They can do appearances, get paid through Instagram partnerships, launch merchandise, do a podcast, get paid off, off uh, brand partners there, launch YouTube channels, switch all this, all this outside the sports stuff, the stuff that we've been doing with pros now, now college athletes and younger will be able to capitalize on. Now, where we are today, as it sits, it's going to be open July 1 down there with you in Florida. That's the only state that's officially passed it. There's other ones that are, yeah, right. Other, other ones that have post that have passed laws that'll go into effect in like 2023, California, Iowa, Colorado, and all these other different places are trying to, to make that happen. But Congress has bills in place to try to get everyone on an even, even playing field. And it has to happen. It'll be complete chaos if it doesn't. So come this summer, they'll be able to capitalize on all this stuff, this name image likeness deal. And I, I, I love it. I, when I back, back in my day, when I played in the early 2000s, you could go into a bookstore and get a number five Jersey at Bowling Green State University for Josh Harris. And he, you know, that dude might struggle to buy a nice pair of jeans, but you could go pay 50 bucks to buy a Jersey with his number on it. And you knew that who the hell it was. It was Josh Harris, our star quarterback who was drafted to play in the NFL. But now athletes now are starting to get the power back and starting to be able to, to capitalize on this. But, but again, it's not just, it's not just going to be the star quarterback. It's not just going to be, I say again, as if you're in all my conversations, <laughs> of the people listening are, I'm always talking about this stuff. I don't give a damn if you're Trevor Lawrence or Zion Williamson or whoever, there's opportunities all the way down to division three kickers. Or I talked to a, someone who reached out, who's a tennis player division one at a small school, there's opportunities across the board if people want to take advantage of it and they understand how to do it and then create from it. The way I see it, and it's so interesting and I can't wait to learn more off you. You're, you're my number one source of someone I know personally that's immersed into all of these changes that are on the forefront. But I, I see it like this. Uh, you get a kid that's just on a campus. Let's say he's at UCF. That's the closest big school to me. And he is a, an engineering major. And he has this innovative thought. It is, in fact, a unique, brand new thought. He patents it. He sells it. He's a, he's a billionaire. Let's just, these are hypotheticals, but let's say he is. He can do that. And I think that's unfortunate that an athlete cannot just because he's an athlete. And I'm, I'm, re I'm really yeah. glad and I'm, I'm with you. I'm aligning your thought. And I'll be honest, a long time ago, I, I, I wasn't sure how I felt about someone getting paid because they were, in fact, getting an, a, a a scholarship. Most people go to school for free. If they're playing on television and we know who they are, they're getting a free education. Who cares? Mm -hmm. If, if someone, if someone has a unique thought, if, if they're in a full scholarship academically, they still get rewarded for going further. And I don't know why we would ever treat anyone differently. And just because of the simple fact that they, they're playing a sport on scholarship. Okay. I was going to say, and one thing to add to that is, is we we're, we're calling them student athletes, right? They go, they're students and then they're an athlete. Well, sure. what better way to get real hands-on education than to put your student athletes in a position to learn and start to grow a brand of business, or even just negotiate one simple deal. It's the most hands-on education opportunity of all time, because they actually give a damn about themselves and what they're going to do not some hypothetical you're learning in a book or somebody's you're watching a video and, and creating some fake business you're doing real life skills why wouldn't every school in the country be jumping on board to, to be a part of that and i think a lot of them don't understand that mindset flip of it and even so so and just to backtrack 
Donald De La Haye, I, th- I think is how you say his name, D- AKA destroying on social. Are you familiar with him? Sure. He's been on my field before. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Dude has done a, an incredible job of building a YouTube channel. Now he's done a lot more, but he, he faced it a couple of years ago where, where it was basically go with your successful YouTube channel or lose UCF scholarship and leave the school. He chose to, to go the YouTube route. And now he's trying to get back into the NFL and trying out, you know, I don't know how good he is or not. I don't care how good he is or not. Sure, this dude, this dude. Yeah. This dude has a long-term business opportunity that he's got with this YouTube channel. And I'm sure he makes hundreds of thousands of dollars from it. Yeah. And I'll just finish on this. Cause we could talk, this should be a show, but I, I <laughs> love what you, I love what you said because it also, most of these kids aren't going to make much money, but what they're going to do is they're going to worry about their personal brand and be very aware of what their actions are. Because if you're a knucklehead or you do something off the field that isn't conducive to like success, uh, people aren't going to invest in you per se. Right. No. So I think that it, it would incentivize, and I hate to say it, but it would, it would, it would incentivize the off field behavior that sometimes is prevalent in certain programs. Um, because no, no one rewards that. No one wants to pay for you if you're an off-field issue. Uh, and no one's going to play you either way, you know? So yep. I, I don't really see what the, what, what the problem with it is. And I'm really glad that we are shifting to a new mindset when it comes to it. Shout out to our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare, dead stock, or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. For sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers of $100 plus, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Now back to the show. Okay. Uh, many of our listeners are high school and college special teams coordinators and head coaches. That was probably the largest demographic. Uh, can you explain to the audience what our coaching network is and how they can get involved with you and your team? Yeah. As a helicopter goes overhead, you hear that? Uh, so, <laughs> so we created our coaching network in September and, and, and more or less, we wanted to create a coaching community. Now we have members from all over the US, Ireland, Canada, Brazil, the UK. We wanted to create this community after being sent home in, in this crazy pandemic and, and create opportunities for coaches to sit around on their couch and talk ball. So what we do is three nights a week, we have coaches speak uh, usually at, at 6 p.m. my time. So that's specific time, 9 p.m. Um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm sorry, 5 and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So they'll come on, they'll speak for an hour, do a clinic talk, and then that clinic lands on our website the next morning. So you can take a look at it the next morning or eight months, a year from now, whatever. We're also starting to create opportunities for, we did the special teams clinic, which you came on. We have a defensive line clinic coming up. We have an international coaches clinic coming up. Our goal is to create a network and community of coaches and empower coaches themselves. There's, we're not the only ones that have clinic talks but we always, in everything we want to do, we want to be different. So we want to really make it more of a, a personal touch, a networking feel. Uh, we want to help out these coaches, connect coaches, help people 
get jobs if they want to get jobs or meet people if they want to meet people. Or even, you know, the special teams clinic came about just in a conversation from a guy who's a special teams coach, Garrett McLaughlin at, at Bates College, and was like, hey, we love this idea. What do you think about doing a, a five-hour clinic talk on a Saturday? We'll get four coaches and we'll do for do actual clinics and then we'll do a round table around special teams. And I was like, great, this is awesome. This is your deal. You run it, you host it, you, you build the connections with the coaches and you do all the reach out. We'll let you handle that part. So more than anything else, it's empowering coaches to do whatever they want to do in a coaching role. Yeah. And I will say that, you know, I, my personal experience was with that Saturday specialist clinic and I was among some guys that the resumes were very impressive. I mean, you've had, a number of guys on there that were speaking that day that had 30 plus years of experience at the college and pro mm-hmm. levels. These aren't, and then not to discount a high school coach. Cause I, I learned from everybody. I learned from my kids most importantly, but it's just nice to be on a panel and be the least qualified. I love it. You know, it's a challenge to me. I, I, I want to meet those guys. I want to watch those guys work. I want to see how they present their thoughts. And um, I think that's what I like most about our coaching network is you're never going to be the biggest fish in the pond and you're never going to be the smallest. And, and if you are, it's, it's, it's a good synergy going on there. It's everyone seems to be wanting to help one another instead of competing or trying to, trying to show each other up. And I like what you guys have going on. And I also like the, the, the actual interface, you know, I was on there last night just to play around with it and, you know, you can see who follows you. You can see who watches your stuff. You can see, you know, all these things you can see, you can mm-hmm. see simply who's on it. And um, I, I, it's very user-friendly and anyone who's interested, you know, they can follow me or at the end of the show, I'd like you to share your Twitter and whatever other handle you want, but people are probably going to yep. want to know about our coaching network. And again, I thank you for exposing me to it uh, and bringing me a part of it. Um, I have a final question for you. This, I did a little reading on you. Of course, I like to, I like to get to know people if I don't know them as well. Um, I saw you played with some pretty recognizable names at Bowling Green. I pulled up the media guide and this was like a 05 or 06. I can't recall the exact year, but. When, when have been 05, 06? Cause I was already gone. Okay. 02, 03, 04. I'm there, but, but, but your names are right. Yeah. It, it, so I, yeah, you're a little younger than me. So, so Sean Sweesham was one that, that stood out. Cause you know, he played for the Steelers, the kicker for the Steelers and he had a, had a heck of a career. And then um, another big household name is a Matt Campbell. He's currently the Iowa state head coach and he's arguably one of the hottest names in college football. I, I love asking people this is, you know, when you were, with them and, and and this is before anyone was anybody as far as household names did people like that stand out amongst the group as far as their work ethic was there something special about them was there something innate within them um that you could kind of forecast that man i i have a feeling that person is going places yeah so well i'll throw another big name a young man named urban myers first head coaching job was at bowling green out his second year was my freshman year. Uh, Matt Campbell, uh, for, for me, I had two defensive back coaches who were NFL head coaches two years ago, Vance Joseph with the Broncos, Stephen Wilkes with the Cardinals. So I, we were around phenomenal coaches. I don't know why or how. I assume the urban type tree. But Sean Sweesham, who played, I think, nine years in the NFL, was a guy I, I would have never guessed that. You know, I don't know much about kickers, but I could be in the meetings and hear how he would just get hammered as a sophomore, as a junior. He really matured as a senior, had a really good year, did the typical 
picker deal where he bounced around a bunch of places, found a home in Washington for a little bit, really thrived with the Steelers and had this long-term career. No, I don't think anyone would have guessed Sean Sweeshan going to be that dude to play nine years in the NFL. Matt Campbell was a GA at Bowling Green was when I was there. Wow. So he was, yeah, he was 25, 26. I was just talking to somebody else earlier today about our GAs. Uh, one GA was him. Another one was DJ Durkin, who was at Maryland head coach a couple years ago. Yeah. Yep. And then Zach Azani, who's now the Broncos receivers coach. And they've, they've been a bunch of places. But but Matt Campbell was a guy who you knew was going to do big things. I didn't know, you know, at 18, 19, I didn't know what those big things were. But he just felt different. Had a great work ethic. Was a guy who related to us super well. And we had other GAs. I didn't name all the GAs there. We had other guys that were like cool or fun that we liked or opposite, not cool or fun and <laughs> had that vibe. Matt was had a great mix of can relate to players, can motivate us on the scout team because I was a scout team guy my, my first two years, can motivate us on the scout team to do well and do what we're asked to do, which isn't always an easy thing to do. But also knew the right time and place to we're, we're coming in for 6 a.m. meetings on scout team. And he's like, here's donuts. Like he just knew how to do the right things at the right time. So I knew Matt was going to do great things. Uh, Urban Meyer, like I said, I did not love Urban Meyer my freshman year coming in as a punk ass 18 year old, did not love the dude. But as soon as he left, I thought, oh shit, I, I see what we missed next. The next meeting we had. So Herb, you know, you know, Herb, mm-hmm. The, every day he'd be in the locker room like let's go meeting starts in 10 you're late you're late you're late get in there the next meeting we had our new head coach was 15 minutes late to the meeting we were like oh shit what are we doing here this is going to be totally different and it we had a good year that year but it quickly went down with him and you just really appreciated all the things that herb taught us and i you know I've, i haven't talked to the dude since he left but i appreciate what he's done for me as a 37 year old man what he taught me at 18 the hard work, the, the hierarchy and things. You know, I, I probably had five conversations with, with coach Meyer, like five, literally five. One was about uh, a, a guy who we had, who was a year older than me from my high school, who was an idiot. And he was like, Hey, can you come keep him in check? And I was like, yeah. And then the other four, other the three were about my younger brother, who's a year younger and was a better prospect than me, just about him. And then another one was about me waiting my time to get in the cold tubs after a practice. But he taught me so much in just being around his presence about being a leader, about respect and about hard work that I've still used to this day at 37. It's funny. You say that I, I didn't realize you were there uh, during his time there. I was well aware he was at Bowling Green, but I spent a lot of time with urban at Florida. You know, I I ran his kicking camps every year in Gainesville. He signed seven of my guys. And uh, during his time, during his time in Gainesville, he signed two long snappers, three punters, two kickers. Uh, he loves special teams and he confided in me and another guy from Ohio and he'd bring him down. And then when he left and went to Columbus, I, I was able to follow him up. So I'd spend like a few days every June basically with him for about seven or eight years. And again, like I, it was an undivided attention, but I, in, I was in proximity with him and I work with him all day on those days. And it was nice to see uh, the way he was able to delegate how organized he was. But I think what stands out with, with me and, uh, why Urban Meyer is different is he really looks at the psychology behind everything, right? Yeah. Why is he thinking like that? Why is he responding like this? How do we correct it? Uh, and that really opened my eyes to to how important it is to be strong in the mind, you know? 
Uh, I think, yeah. I, I think he stresses that. And I don't think he really sells it as much as he just, he just coaches it, you know, it's just part of what he sure. does. Yeah. There, there's things that stick out of my head that he did that it was so smart. And at 18, I guess I was 18 at 18 to 22 where, where we were like, yes, that's our guy. Even just this is a story I heard before he came in is he, one of the stipulations before he'd sign a contract saying, yes, I'm going to come here. was get a brand new locker room. It was shit, I guess, terrible. And he was like, I can't have my guys feel big time in this locker room. So the first thing they did, they, they, I guess, tore down all new lockers, painted it how he wanted it, yada, yada. And the other thing I remember him, him standing up and we were about to, I think it was Purdue or somebody else in the big town we were about to play. And he had our, our, our five and then one extra, like our backup lineman guy stand up. And he was like, you see these guys and, and yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll summarize it in a, in a, a fashion that's yeah. anyone can listen to. But basically it was like, these are big time guys. We can play with anyone in the country. And I remember thinking, yeah, these guys are, these are what big time college football players look like. And he had us believing we could beat anybody in the country. Uh, and, and we went out and did, we beat, we, I think it was Purdue. We beat that, that year, but just the mental aspect, that wasn't a thing he did overtly to be like, Hey, I'm working on your mental. I'm coaching yeah. you mentally, this mental game. It was just a thing that we could look around and yeah, yeah, yeah. like th- we, we can do this. We're at this level. I agree. I think it was almost the urban Meyer does that purposely to see if your response isn't, how do I say it simple? Basically, if you can't handle the way I'm coaching, which is pushing you mentally, then you're not going to be a player for me. I think that he screens you by your response. And if you got, if you're a guy that consistently responds in a negative fashion, there's no trust. And when there's no trust, there's no winning. Right. Um, And I, I just think that that's why he's different. We mentioned being unique to start the show. And I think that urban Meyer found a way to set himself apart. I think a lot of guys can coach X's and O's with him. Maybe not quite as well as far as in the crunch the decision. You know, that's where he's his best. But I think that he ensures he's among the best because he goes above and beyond. And he attacks the mind. So um, no doubt. I, I really want to thank you, Pat. Uh, this means a lot to everyone at Fourth Down Focus. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd like there's a tough question to ask. Some people aren't super public with their handles, but I think that you wouldn't, if there's a good way or a couple of good ways to reach you, would you mind sharing that with us? I'm always available anytime. I'm, I'm that dude. I'll respond to anybody. I don't care if you're a big name, if you have 18 followers, if you come at, some, at me with some real question or thought, I'm, I'm always down to have a conversation around it. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter are the easiest. It's at Pat underscore Curran Media. Obviously, if you're watching the podcast, my name will be on there. Pat, at Pat underscore Curran Media. Just shoot me a DM. I will respond. I respond to everybody. I respond to everyone who follows me. There are most people who follow me. And everyone who asks me a question, I will respond to it and get back in some sort of fashion that makes sense. Yeah, he's good. I'm not going to lie. You're, you're, even though we're three-hour time difference, you you find a way to get back quickly, uh, and I, I appreciate that. Um, so thanks again, man. I, I want to uh, remind everyone to please give us a like, subscribe to the show if you haven't already, and share it with a friend. If you have questions related to the podcast or suggestions for future topics and guests, uh, even if you have some feedback for the show, you can reach me, Dan Lundy, in several ways. My website is fourthdownu.com. That's four T H D O W N U.com. It has endless resources for specialists and coaches of specialists. On social media, my Instagram and Twitter is at four T H D O W N U. That's at fourthdownu. And on Facebook and LinkedIn, I am at 
Dan Space Lundy, L-U-N-D-Y. Thank you again for joining us at Fourth Down Focus, presented by Bet Online, and we'll see you next week with an exciting new guest. I hope 2021 is treating each of you well, and remember, in all things, give thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.